and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a fortnightly magazine program about East Asian film, led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EasternKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, festivals, and often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. This episode, we've gone a bit J-horror, or should that be Takeshi Squared? As we discuss Mickey's new romance, First Love, <laughs> out in UK cinemas in time for Valentine's Day. We'll also be chatting about The Grudge and series creator Takeshi Sumishu, who has a new film out in Japan, Howling Village. We'll be joined by Ant Gates. Hello. And later on, Nina Doherty. But let's get to the important thing first. What are you drinking this episode, James? Oh, I have a very uh, right fancy uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, and I have a hip flask full of the finest grouse. Very nice. Indeed. And you? I am drinking a single malt whiskey, the Glenlivet, with one ice cube. Oh, founders Reserve, it. it seems. Um, very fancy. Yeah, very nice, very fruity. <laughs> After taste of toffee, vanilla. A few notes. Another famous grouse here. <laughs> and this week I'm on Crate IPA. Mm. Complex bold with lots of juicy hops. What's the percentage? Uh, 6%. That's uh, proper. So let's get started. Mm. This week we're going to focus on the release of First Love from Takeshi Miike. Right in time for Valentine's Day. So uh, I think, <laughs> you know, Ants, if you can kind of lead yeah, us into okay. to what the story's about in terms right. of a romantic... How romantic is it? You no, know, what what's is, the synopsis of it? It's clearly a date movie. It's clearly a date movie. Takeshi <laughs> Miike so date movie. You've got, you've got this young guy. <laughs> I know, Takeshi Miike date movie. Well, compared to audition. So, so audition was a date movie. Just, <laughs> it was. It was. It was. I think, yeah. <laughs> you take, I suppose, isn't it? That's part of it, isn't it, really? Yeah. You've got to be careful who you take to these sort of deep date movies. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a teeny... It's, a, it's clearly aimed at a teen, kind of teeny audience. I think us middle-aged men maybe won't get the same... Won't I, get the I, same I, date. I'm in my early 30s. Yeah? OK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just aged. I'm just aged badly. Mm. <laughs> so you've got, you've got this young guy who's a boxer, a guy called Leo... <laughs> Who's the kind of classic, where you describe him as like fop-haired kind of... Floppy friend. He's that, very right? pretty, he's very pretty. And he's a boxer, he's very good at boxing, mm. but he isn't very driven. So he's one of these, he's good at boxing, but he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do a... His, his coach berates him at the beginning for not going, woo, yay, giving like a big high five when he wins a fight. I remember so yeah. he doesn't know where he's going, he's that, and he's... So we're with him. And then we're kind of introduced to lots of other people and all their paths cross in a classic kind of ensemble, Mickey kind of way. So his sort of to-be love interest is a young woman called Monica, I think her name was. And, yeah, she's hooked on drugs and she's been used as a prostitute to pay off her father's gambling debts. Mm. Um, and she's quite interesting because when she gets stressed and when there's some threat, she sees the threat as her father, who we assume, by the way he's dressed, you know, abused her in some way. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Um, so it's just basically this old guy with big kind of glasses in his big pants. And, um, and, it, and it's kind of funny and scary at the same time. Um, and they end up meeting through kind of Yakuza stuff. He ends up, she's running away from a crooked cop at one point and he clotheslines the cop, who is the guy who played Ichi the Killer. Who played um, What's Ichi. I, I never picked it's him. Oh, yeah, it's him. Now something, nice. I forget his name. It's now. Cool. God, the cop called Tomo, who's crooked cop, who's working with some other gangs. It all gets very gangster-y, yakuza yeah, yeah, yeah. complicated. 
uh, mixing with some now Chinese dancers. That's yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. I never realised yeah. that. Yeah. Nice. Not, and you look at him and you go, oh, yeah, but he's kind of a bit older. And No, I can see it. No, you fucking say it. Yeah, man. but I mean, he, he's not as crazy as, as <laughs> Ichi. But he's well, still broken. He's moderating it a, you know, a little bit. As, <laughs> as, as Darling it back. Darling it back a bit. Channeled yeah. it a this bit is, more. This is Mike Lights, I think, <laughs> is the best way to describe it. So Leo decks Tomo, the crooked cop, and mm. kind of saves Monica, and then they're kind of on the run, and they're chased by gangsters. There's a big fight at the end, and yeah. That's not even a spoiler. That's not even a spoiler. <laughs> it's, it's goes, it goes where you want it to go, where you expect it yeah. to go. It's, I, I liked it, mm. Mm. but it was a kind of, it's like a pick and mix of all the things that I like about some of his previous movies, all mixed in. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, sort of. I, I, I mean, I was going to say we kind of kind of BK light, as you said earlier, and, yeah. and actually, what is quite nice about it is that it, unlike some of the stuff that Mike has done, in, in some ways, it's it's kind of harking back to, you can go, well, that's very Mike, that's very Mike, yeah. that's very Mike, yeah. but it's all done in a very kind of toned down fashion. Yeah, it's very colourful. Touches yeah. on those those it's, aspects. It's, I mean, it's still. I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I thought colourful was the word. It's it's so chaotic. Um, I I don't know. It, it just didn't feel like he was, you know, that invested in making. And I thought the casual misogyny, you know, that put me off with it. But Monica, her character is it's a pretty bad character. Yeah, it's you know, weird it to make, have. She doesn't make any sense. Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's just there. A prostitute for, who's you know, yeah. forced into prostitution and but she's drug still, addict. You know, he still looks oh, like a pop star. She's still pretty, and he's still uh, going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Nice. That's what I mean. How it's, do you make light of that? But every, everything is so crazy and over the top that it's. It's never going to be a social realist. Well, no, deconstruction no, no still, of, uh, but I, I, I didn't think that he actually seemed to care, despite the name of the film and everything. I don't think he seemed to give too much of a care about the romance aspect. He doesn't even talk to her. I mean, no, they, for, they, for nearly, for, they nearly hold hands at one point. Yeah, he, he doesn't slap her around, which makes a nice change. But <laughs> it, it's still not really a... It, it's still like a, oh, fucking damsel. Well, it's first love. Well, you could yeah. say that the, the female characters then, aren't yeah. particularly well dealt with. And I, I would see yeah, it. They need each other. Audition aside and stuff. Mo, it's, oh, yeah. You can say that about a lot of his stuff. But yeah. this one, I thought... I don't know. I, I still... I fairly enjoyed the film. But, but It is enjoyable. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just very... Particularly when you get to the last act, where it is all the kind of running around and the hardware shot. Yeah, that, you get a few. You get a yeah, few. Yeah, that was I thought nice the weakest bit. That the fights were not particularly well choreographed. I agree for a with bit. that. Yeah, they, they just seemed to be like. It he, was a good ending, and everybody got the comeuppance that yeah, you kind of expect or wanted. wanted but, and they, as characters, they needed each other, which was interesting. You know. She saw him and was like, that's my way out because he's good in a fight and he can save me. Even, and though, she he was, was, even though she was crazy and she didn't seem to understand who he was half the time. No, which is understandable, you know, given the situation. <laughs> well, yeah. Coming but it up was more, a... actually, the supporting characters more interesting. Their stories. Well, I agree with that, but we're with, uh, we were saying before, you know, with I like... I feel your pronunciation with Shota. <laughs> you know, he, he's very... Shota Sometani. I don't know, close Something enough, time. I guess. But he, he was very... Well, apologies again for that he pronunciation. Was, he's, the gang, he's the he's the Yakuza who's trying to screw over the other... And it's a, it, exactly. all, it all kicks off with a drug deal going wrong. Yeah, and he cocks he, in league with this guy. He's got his mad schemes, man. Yeah, and obviously it goes to up as mad schemes. Could but he's, he is very enjoyable as an actor in this film. Um, uh, he's very good in this. You know, yeah. it's, I'd, I'd say he... You he's know. very laid back and he always feels like he's in control. He, he's the most interesting character yeah. in the film. He I is, mean, actually. He's the, kind the, of always under, a bit undeveloped really. because you kind of feel like he's... And he always wheedles his way out of all the problems in the film, which is quite and nice. And into more problems, which, <laughs> and is, which problems, is really yeah. funny. Some of the... Some of the yeah, his schemes are... I mean, they're frankly ridiculous. So there is no, they don't make any goddamn sense. Mm. But he drive, he's the one who actually drives the narrative of the film, not the romance at all. And yeah, they those I, two people I, wouldn't have met 
if it wasn't for him. I mean, I, I, I saw like the poster for the film and stuff. It looks like you know some mad, you know, manga type poster and everything. They're pulling up the love angle. That's that's no, it's not. Well, I'd say after the Valentine's Day release. Yeah, that's not smart. You can say it's a date movie because you know that. Well, any pa- movie's a date movie. A, yeah, I mean, we perhaps really a young listen. teenager. I don't know. Would I, take I, the girl I, that he likes, but he doesn't know well enough, and it's a safe option because <laughs> I, I'm a bit crazy, but not too crazy. Well, and he's pretty, and she can go at the very least. I mean, gender. Oh, you know. I remember my better half saying that that her face first date movie was a Razorhead. So you can only go up from that, can't you? Really? I don't know. Razorhead is. I mean, that's probably more romantic than First Love. Mm. There's more romance yeah. in it. Well, there's more yeah. commitment. In yeah, there's kind of there's there is more. Yeah. I mean, in first love, they don't really seem to give that much of a fuck. And no. she's off, she's off her nut, and he's, yeah, you know, he doesn't really seem to know what's going on either. So it's. I liked the character Julie when she came in. I think she was a, a musician. Oh, she's pop star. Funny. And she was, you know, classic overacting. Yeah. Angry, and when when the the Chinese gangsters when they kind of go, we need to call so and so in to get yeah, Monica yeah, yeah. back. They call in Julie. Do you assume it's going to be a man? There's a way they talk yeah. about it, just because it's a man. And, and this kind of skinny, kind of cool Japanese girl turns up, lady turns up, and she's brilliant, and she totally overacts in the best she way possible. She was funny, that she was swinging her baseball bat. And there's a, a nice scene when she, one of the guys that tries to stop her, and she tries to be the, oh, I'm the victim, and tries to lure him in to get him <laughs> to, you know, potentially, like, take advantage of her and she just kicks the shit out of him. He's a Chinese fellow, isn't it? Or yeah. one of the assassins sitting after him and his yeah. Mandarin oh, acting is pretty appalling. You were saying it was it's very it's confusing some some of the Mandarin acting. But it's she yeah, she she was one of the right points in the film. She, she just pitched just right for that kind of crazy yeah, thing. I, I, so yeah. there's nothing dreadful about it, but there's just nothing really you know, why watch that when you could watch Dead or Alive? Why watch that when you mm. could watch Each of the Killer? Why watch that when you could watch Happiness of the Katakuris and you know, yeah, it, this yeah. even has an animated sequence that has no place oh, in fuck, whatsoever. I forgot about that. You're right. Car, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it goes animated. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it. It had, had happened to Katakuris and it had the bit of stop motion stuff. At the beginning. Well, it was it's brilliant. It's consistent in that film, though. It, this it was is, like, yeah. why, are you, why are you doing that? And I think they did that in the, the other romance one that we couldn't remember what it was called. Oh, earlier. For Love's Sake. For Love's Sake, that yeah. had some stuff in. The, so you're probably right, yeah. Yeah, and I think that had and that didn't really work either. But I liked you talking about I know the Mandarin was a bit off, but I one of the things I always like have liked about Mikey's movies mm. is the cosmopolitan. I agree the with fact that, that you definitely. get lots yeah. of people that aren't Japanese. So you get a Chinese kind of community here and okay they're gangsters, so but you know, everybody's a gangster, so they're not really any worse off. And it's quite nice at the beginning because they're in a, a Chinese takeaway. Yeah. And that's where one of the that's where he works. That's yeah, where yeah, Leo the works, isn't it? Of course yeah, he yeah, works yeah. as it works in the kitchen kind of preparing some food and stuff. And um and she's watching old gangster movies mm. and talking about honour and chivalry and oh that age is dead and and that's kind of interesting because Mikay's always had those gangster kind of things yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, and yeah. they usually nice pulled apart to... and showed them how that they're flawed. So there's this nice little it's all it's very nostalgic. It just didn't develop on it. It just no, it just didn't really yeah. didn't I mean, have it, enough it, punch. And I, part of it seems like you know it's vaguely even sarcastic with Shota's character being yeah. The Yakuza guy who just couldn't you know, go fuck, he's like playing this against this just for his own schemes, man. And it's, yeah, there's a slight, on the one hand, you can say there's a kind of like a sarcasm or I'm not going to say like fucking deconstruction of the genre, but. Oh, no, it's it, not. But, but at the same time, it, well, it, it doesn't seem like he cared enough to go that far or not go that far. It's just because kind of Leo becomes away. the kind of heroic big brother, kind you know, of, yeah. character, doesn't he? He becomes that sort of. Mm. Uh, 
that classic kind of archetypal 70s Yakuza I'm yeah. strong and I'm stoic and I do the right thing stoic, even though I'm yeah, troubled yeah. and so she's but my, but my hair is immaculate that. but his hair is beautiful yeah it, so it, it, it doesn't even move like, that much and he's good in the fight so we know there's that I still think that it's I still think it's bizarre that it's a romantic film and I, I I think the poster for the film as well is just it looks like like a ghost in the shell type anime poster and manga poster does it for love's sake isn't it it's almost the same poster exactly mm. and I think that's gonna I mean it's okay but um I mean, I'm glad I, it's I been released, you know. And I, I, think, I think the anime kids will enjoy I don't, it. I don't think, I, I don't think they because will. Because it's pop culture. Maybe they won't, maybe it's not, it's not fluffy enough. I agree, it's, it's, not, one, it's not one thing It's, it's a nostalgia though. trip, I think, is how I viewed it as a nostalgia trip. From me going how much I loved his early films. Yeah. And finding things, finding similarities and going, and also watching it going, thank God it wasn't a Stephen pile of shit. Thank God it wasn't as bad <laughs> as Bader the Immortal. Thank God. And it's that, it's a relief. Yeah. There's a relief that sometimes I watch these films now with a relief that they're not awful. Yeah, rather no, than being mean. stellar and being as good as like Lesson of Evil. Great fucking film. The, over the, I do love that. Over Your Dead Body. Excellent film which as was well. Great. And you think he's making he's making this and then afterwards he'll make for love's sake. But, but this one was like in the in the can can directors for now. I mean, why? How? Because maybe he needs that he he deserves okay. recognition for being a good director, but you have to pick the film that he's just done, which unfortunately is the wrong one. It's not, but it's not awful. It just, I think, given my knowledge of of how much I enjoy the early ones, you judge yeah. it against that. And of you course, go, yeah, it's yeah, not as it. violent as Each of the Killer. It's not as out there as Dead or Alive. It's not as it's not as quiet and as charming as Bird People. Or it, but it's, it's just not romantic at all. Isn't and it, it isn't romantic <laughs> no. at all. It definitely, it's not romantic. Just, you just they don't even talk it's not like where you get like really good Sean Sonno movies like Love Exposure I do I love his stuff and when he gets the he gets the romance in it's hyper real but it's beautiful Audition is a genuinely depressing film and that's where he changed the novel so much like in the novel it's a lot more straightforward and Mm. if you forget about the gore and everything in Audition Audition is essentially like a really really depressing film it's It's got a strong story but it's in the film he made it so much more depressing about like a complete lack of human connection or trust or anything you know that's I mean spoiler yeah. I guess but like you know there's with a it, lot of lonely people in all these movies well it, but at the same time like it, you when Ring and stuff were coming yeah. out it was that whole like fear of human connection and at the end of Audition that's the only film I can think of where somebody wakes up at the end and it's you know a dream or whatever that's the only film I can think of where that actually works for me but yeah. I don't know whether he really ever captured that that like wow that depth Mm. Of story of of film craft of storytelling, and it's like he's been made he's made so much stuff that he watched Yukiyaki I, I, Django. That oh, was, I forgot about that. Jesus, it was just oh, uh, that was a mess. And you, you could apocalypse. That's you the one. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. It was just yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was exciting, Mickey, and it was and it had the kind of cool the guy in the big teddy suit at the end, but you just went, huh, yeah. Yes, okay, thanks, Mikael. Yeah, you, you can get yeah. back there. It's like well, talking yeah, to a small quirky, child. Quirky, quirky, I agree with you. So that's, that's probably a good time to cut across the, the upcoming release of the One Missed Call trilogy. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. More sadness. We're talking about sadness and loneliness. There we go. No, I, I support One Missed Call. I mean, I, 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 I actually... I still think One Call's not a bad film for him. I mean, it was... It was... It's very slick. It's very... In comparison to the stuff, it's very smooth... It's very. It's still pretty whack. It's, it's for, It feels quite studio. It feels, it, in context, it yeah. with with what was going on, and, and and it was at the height of that kind of J horror, you know. Kind it was, of, oh, let's a, make a great time. Film. A great time. A great time. But let's yeah. make a really slightly. 
I seem to remember the ending being had a sequence towards the end that was really striking. That made oh, that's interesting. But it was like right at the end. Of but the there's, film, there's like that completely bizarre shot. like TV exorcism scene. Yeah. In it. That's the, what the fuck. Where did that even come from? It's like suddenly somebody gets contacted. Like, oh, so can we do this in TV? Yeah, fuck. Where? I don't know. And just make the ring with a telephone. Okay, well, I know that's how horror works. You take a successful concept and you, but it, you put it. I mean, in it, was, it, was it, was a, it was a novel, which was it was before, a and, oh, the, and, and the ring, uh, the ring films are nothing like the ring novels. I think one was called the problem. The only problem with one was called is too long. I mean, it's nearly two hours. Yeah, so it's, it's nearly it's, two hours, it's but it's one hour fifty-two, and the plot shifts around a lot. And there's a lot of. Mm. I still think there's some very cool stuff in there. But yeah, it just wasn't. I think it was my first proper Miko disappointment. It, it was the it was the film where you saw him going because like, you know you've come yeah. on, I say we've talked about this before we've come true, off the true. back of each killer and Gozu and Family Q mm. and and Dead or Alive trilogies so many good crazy interesting good films and then you sit and you watch this like yeah but if you compare oh, it to the other like J horror films of the era this is still pretty fucking absolutely no absolutely but I think it was you know in hindsight now you can go well he's made a lot of good films he's made a lot of not very good films. Oh, definitely. That's and definitely so true. one was called probably isn't definitely the worst he's ever made. But at that time, when your experiences, you've had this really good run of films, and then you watch that, yeah. you can't help feel disappointed. Well, so it's hard for me to separate disappointment. Oh, I, I agree with you about that. I, I never. I mean, I've got to admit, I never got to one was called at the time because it it it's like when I I heard about the plot, oh, somebody gets a phone call. It's like, well, let's yeah. ring. And the funny thing is, literally not. <laughs> there is literally not just one was called. There's loads of the fucking calls. Yeah. Man. The title's a fraud. Uh, I mean, there's loads of missed calls, man. And honestly, how many times do you miss a call? Do you ever listen to your voicemail? I don't. The whole thing is like a telephone it's a, scam. It's a kind of clickbait thing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's like the whole thing is that the ghost is just some mad spammer. Yeah. <laughs> when you click on my <laughs> website, oh, check, follow yeah, me on Instagram. <laughs> I'm this mad fucking Japanese ghost, man. Follow Good. me, man. You know? Dad, he's probably got the script and development. <laughs> I still quite like to do I mean, I have to... Uh, it's good that it's getting a, a re-release. First Love will be released into selected UK cinemas from Valentine's Day, February the 14th, and will be released on home media on the 24th of February. As will the One Missed Call trilogy be released by Arrow on Blu-ray. Our team members, Maya and Kay, went to the International Film Festival Rotterdam. Here's part of their report. Hi, I'm Maya Kurbetska. And I am Kai van Zulen. And you're listening to the Eastern Kicks podcast. Um, so we're here uh, at the uh, International Film Festival Rotterdam. For the past few days, we've seen at least three or four movies a day. <laughs> yes. So how are you hanging? Tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, but it's worth it. Yes, definitely. This this year the program is very diverse, um, and there is definitely a lot of Asian representatives uh, in the program. As usual, yes. So, um, what did you see this year? Did uh, are there any like um, major topics uh, that you observed in Asian cinema this year? Um, well, what. Uh, I saw, I, I guess I always concentrate also on the um, Indian films that are programmed and I saw a lot of interesting regional cinema both from the north, the very north and the very south of the country. Yeah, yes, uh, I mean, like India, 
China is huge, so maybe that's why like the differences um, between uh, the provinces and the differences between the north and the south are very um, always very interesting to observe, because they have like their different um, styles and um, dialects are very diverse. Like we both seen um, the home in the world today and bitter chestnuts, which is very interesting to compare to because the first one is like um, quite commercial genre cinema and the second one is an indie so uh, what do what do you think about wild goose lake ah i've not seen that yet uh, well how is it um it is um um actually it's uh, it's part of this um southern tales i mean it was uh, shot in wuhan uh, which is um Well, now um, a lot of people at the festival talks about the coronavirus and um, at the film market too that um, there is this... Um, a lot of filmmakers actually didn't come and Diao Yinan himself didn't come because of the coronavirus. Mm. Um, but anyway, Wild Goose Lake is very... Um, it's an amazing film because it references a lot of um, 30s gangster films when it comes to the narrative and the style. And the, the filmmaker uses a lot of uh, shadows and a lot of strange camera angles that distort the reality. It has very violent moments and very funny moments. So this clash of two very um, extreme feelings uh, is very much um, characteristic for this film. When it comes to the story, it is again um, female-centered. Um, and um, very much stylized when it comes to space too, um, because it always rains. So uh, the neon lights get distorted through the rain and um, mm. like when it comes to colors, it's very rich. Basically, it's like th there are a lot of parallels in the film, like between main character being chased after and them. Uh, there's one scene in the zoo with actual animals And like, yeah, there is this kind of tragedy, but comedy just glued uh, very tightly uh, together. So, yeah, you should go see it. Yeah. <laughs> And you can hear the full report as the previous podcast to this one, episode 3A. The Wild Goose Lake is available to stream exclusively on Mumbai from the 28th of February. So moving on from a bit of J-horror, we're now going to chat about Takashi Shimizu, who's got a new film out in Japan right now called Howling Village. And for this, we're joined by Nina. Hello, Nina. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, yeah, um, I'm very excited about this film. Maybe for no reason, it might be completely terrible, but we shall see when it finally hmm. hits us here in the West. I don't know when that's going to be. Do you guys know? Is it? Um, has it been in the festivals or...? No, not, no not, I, I, I think it, it, it played at one festival late last year, um, yeah. and it's come out, just come out. So. I, I've not heard yeah. any chat about it, like you know sales for a distribution. I'd be pretty surprised if it got picked up for wide wide release. But I mean, we we can we can live in hope, I guess. But yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I, I, I mean, we can kind of come back to this, but there was a point where his films were getting regularly picked up, and mm. I think not many of them have, have really come over to the UK, even at, at festivals, for quite a while now, but... Yeah, it's, it's, yeah he, he's made, there's been quite a... Well, some of his recent got, ones, which I haven't even managed to see, like... 
this an innocent curse. I haven't seen him. His Resident Evil one was uh, was that an anime? That's a that's, a, that's an CG, anime one. CGI that's a, that, type he one? was producer on that. Actually, if you look at Asian Wiki, for instance, it's not like he stopped making films. He's mm. been doing films. He's been doing segments and you know short movies and, yeah. and all along, but none of them have really come over particularly commercially since Shock no. Labyrinth. Shock or, Labyrinth. Or Shock Labyrinth 3D. 3D. Depending on which version you watch. Who, who, yeah, man, who, that's, a, that's a truly terrible film. That's not a great yeah. film. Who, who Terracotta. Really Terracotta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> We're nothing bad about Terracotta. And then that was followed yeah. by Tormented. Tormented. That was the, which, was the, which one had the rabbit? Which one? That's, that's well, Tormented. Right. Because the Japanese okay. name is Rabito Horror. <laughs> <laughs> that's much better. Rabbit Horror. That would be much better than Tormented. Because that was, Tormented was another. Was and that was a kind of that that had a bit of shock labor in it. Some of the weird. I, I got. The, I admit it. I got those films confused at one point. Well, the, but, the, I mean, there's a there is a massive crossover. So. Yeah, even like the marketing materials, the posters and whatnot, were all pretty similar for those films. So, and neither was good. So. And then there was another American film. After the two Grudge remakes that he did, there was uh, another American film that took a while to actually get properly released, Flight 7500. Did that go under a different name somewhere at some point? I remember there was a uh, dark... Yeah, dark. it's like a snakes on a plane with a ghost, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I've seen it, but I can't... I have to be honest, like, a lot of the ones... It seems to have been delayed a couple of years. In, yeah, I, 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 I think I've even seen in, it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Or is Kiki's Delivery Service, which I've never seen either. Yeah, that, that didn't get a lot of praise. Yeah. I, I think that's part of the problem where a lot of his work, in terms of being more internationally picked up I think that was the problem it got so badly received and I think mm. from what I read and this is kind of a while back but I remember a lot of people kind of said it was quite cheap looking <laughs> and I never saw it myself if you're going to try and pull off doing a live action version of yeah, was, yeah. Studio Ghibli then yeah you, you have to re- do something in terms of production wise you're going to have to make it in some ways at least have the kind of charm of the the anime, and if they just I, do a, like a bargain basement for uh, I mean, ironically, he's he was kind of a bit of a head of the curve, really, in making live action <laughs> versions of uh, animated classics. But yeah. I, the difference being the amount of money they put into those, mm. the, the, all those Disney ones that we're getting on a you know, kind of well, almost <laughs> bi monthly basis at the moment, yeah. and you know, and the fact that lots of those are actually completely scene for scene, yeah, versions of the animations. Mm. But he, yeah, he's done. Even apart from The Grudge, he's done um, a lot of pretty interesting films. I mean, uh, all the, um, you know, with apologies for pronunciation, Maribito. That's still one of my favourite of the whole, you know, wave of, like, Japanese horror films from the, you know, the century. Yeah, the stranger from afar. It's very, very. That's a, that's an excellent one. Odd, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in but a good it, way. But yeah, it it takes. And had what, a you know, uh, as well. Tsukamoto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's it's you know it takes what could be a kind of maybe a simple concept, makes it into something really weird, with kind of like video effects and everything mm. in there later. That, that's an amazing film. It's and it got released around internationally, and I think. I don't know, maybe that's one of the things about him, is like his career, he has switched a lot between working within the genre, but switching between more commercial stuff, kind of slightly more bizarre stuff, and, you know, I mean, even The Grudge, like having its V-Cinema origins and everything like that, it's, you know, it, it kind of found its fame and it grew, but it, it was never, like, originally, like, a, a big, you know, a big thing. I don't, yeah, I don't think a lot of people realise how uh, how big that whole franchise is. It's uh, actually mm. it's fourteen films in total. If you count all those like <laughs> two short films, it's, it's a lot of mm. films. That's a lot of mm. films. Yeah. 
I mean, like the last five have nothing to do with Shimizu himself. But mm. if you look at those, like, have you seen? Have you guys seen those first two short films? I've seen one of the two ones with the one. Is that with like the really long title? Which has uh, yeah, a lot of numbers the, in it the, and stuff. A lot of force and then um, Katasumi. <laughs> uh, Katasumi, is, it's actually really creepy. It's four minutes long. I think it's less yeah. than four minutes, actually. And it's terrifying. It's, it's done on a cheap. Mm. And it happens in broad daylight. But, you know, it's, it's really well done. And um, it has... It's the first appearance by um, Takako Fuji, who, is the, uh, who plays Kayako in most of the films. Oh, it's the same actress who plays yeah. there. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. So yeah, I was I was quite surprised by them because they were just like cheap. They're part of a TV series. Um, that's um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I've, I've seen one of the two, but I haven't I haven't seen both of them. But I, you know, after seeing you know, I saw obviously I saw them quite a long time after seeing you know the original Japanese grudge films and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of you know because a lot of the series is pretty you know similar. It's kind of subsumed into one long long grudging. I guess yeah, that's always yeah. no, no. I don't even in a, in a bad way. I, I, I like the Grudge. I mean, I think the series is a lot more even than you know the Ring Ringu series. Mm, everything. Definitely. So it's the Grudge just never really strays too far from its path. Yeah. It kind of yeah. sticks to what it does. Even like I you know I quite enjoyed the you know the new US reboot slash remake slash whatever it is. I still quite enjoyed that as well. It's still worth checking out. If you if you like the grudge, you're probably gonna like it if Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a completist here. I, I do need to see it because it's more <laughs> like balance. It's pretty good and it's got a good it's got a good director behind it as well. But it does have the credit like based on the original characters from the original Japanese film, not based on the remake, even though obviously he you know directed the remake, the first two remakes. Mm. Uh, it's very, very old fashioned though. So I'm not too surprised it wasn't a big success. It, yeah. you know, for the for the young kids of today, it's still she you know, oh Kayako and they're still up to their old nonsense. They're doing exactly the same thing they always do. But there is more gore in it. There's quite a lot more blood cool. in it, which is slightly surprising. But it's good film, good director. it should have should have really done better than it did, I think. But I mean So they're already out of cinemas now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a one one week in the cinemas type job. I but. I think it has something a bit more like four point something on INDB. So yeah, it hasn't Hasn't uh, been a critical success, at least. It didn't, no. It, it was both a commercial and critical failure, unfortunately. Um, which is a shame for the director, because you know, he's, he's one of the sort of upcoming indie horror American directors who's done some really good stuff before, so it's, it's mm. kind of a shame for him as well. It, but It was kind of a funny time for it to come out, though. Yeah, it, it was, it was, kind of, it was I mean, and, and In the same way that Rings was a while back, because there wasn't mm. really anything fueling that here, that was no, the, that's true. Yeah. Or, or in the states, like yeah, the, yeah, there was no real context for you know a wild, a wide international release of a new grudge film. Yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere. To be honest, I, I, mm. it was kind of completely under my radar, and all of a sudden it just kind of was released. I think was it before Christmas in the US. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't kind of expect it at all, but to see a new grudge film. Maybe the last for a while, unfortunately. <laughs> Although even in Japan, like some, of the, you know, the some of the recent, more recent ones. Well, where's the ring? Still seems to attract you know plenty of funding for all the you know the Sadako, Sadako three D, Sadako three D two, or then and just Sadako. They still seem to be fairly big budget ones. Where even like the other grudge ones, you know, like Beginning of the End, the Final Curse, they were still pretty low budget affairs. Mm. They were cinema releases, yeah. but they looked pretty. They looked pretty direct to video. But you know, the series in the West had gone. The what well, the Grudge three and four, they they were direct to direct to like video or direct to streaming at that point. So it's 
Yeah, it's kind of a, an odd one to resurrect without any fanfare, just to throw it out there in cinemas and kind of hope people remember. Yeah, just kind of hope that there's still that fan base out there. To, I mean, there is, obviously. There's people like me who, who will watch them. But, you know, yeah, if, if you're trying to attract a new audience for it, it, yeah, it kind of... There was no effort to try and do that, I yeah. think. Not, not through anything I saw. At least when they did the awful uh, Rings or whatever it was a few years ago. I thought, yeah. That's a terrible film. But they, they, oh, they yeah. did... For better or worse, well, for worse, they, they did try and like bring in like the younger audience, try up the game by having her. She attacked people on a plane, like suddenly everyone mm. on the airplane is watching. I mean, it's that yeah, ambitious. and that sequence is completely out of it's nonsense. It's, it's nothing to do with the rest of the damn film. It's, it's, it's just, like they went, oh, we need something. We need something <laughs> we got to prove that Sadak or Tamara, or whatever Samara, or whatever she's called in the the U.S. remake. We got to prove she's up to her game. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I saw. I mean, this is going. It's it's on topic, but slightly off. I saw like a really weird one. Somebody had a link uh, for one of these like weird Chinese knockoffs. Where it's like you know, Bunchen Sava versus mm. Sadaka. These, what? Uh, yeah. it's like, yeah. but, it, but it's a completely unlicensed cheap Chinese <laughs> song. But apparently, apparently they do actually fight, like fist fight in it as well. They probably have a go at each other. So. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds very good. So I have. Bunchen Sava isn't actually a half bad film. That's actually okay. That's a decent film as well. Yeah. So even, that was the worst thing about like Sadako versus Kayako. Even when they're they're fighting, it wasn't you know they weren't really fighting very yeah. much. They, yeah. If they actually just even if they had an argument. Yeah. Who's victim? Well, there was something. There was almost like no engagement, and then suddenly they were, you know, spoiler alert. Suddenly, you know, combined into another mad ghost together, which mm. was half of each of them, but was a bit just stupid. Which is as just completely <laughs> completely with forgotten the, about. with uh, <laughs> the last Sadiko film, which was awful. Yeah. I mean, whoever thought like bringing back like uh, you know Nakata Hideo was not paying attention to how bad most of his recent films have been. <laughs> it's, it's harsh. Whereas at least The Grudge sticks to its guns. I mean, it, it will do exactly the same thing in every single film, but it sticks to it, you know? I think there's some uh, like some films on the crunch franchise that uh, need more love than they're getting. Like um, hmm. the Juon 2, uh, the Japanese uh, sequel, is, is actually a really good film. Yeah, yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of like, like Jaws 2 is almost as good as the first one. <laughs> and be, yeah. people always forget it nobody ever seen it they I do like Joss that's true but what did you think of the, the, the US remix then, which he directed himself like one and two Um, I mean the the first is okay I mean it's, it's a little bit pointless because it's so similar to the mm. original one other than the I mean it's missing some of the story arcs and it's not quite as fractured but I think in, even he said that because I, I read an interview where he said when they asked him to do the, the second film was mm. well okay so I've I've already done a rerun of of the first film yeah that's so true. I don't, he said third. I don't want to do a rerun of the second mm. film. yeah fair enough because it was but it was like Sam Ramai's Ghost House and everything who produced it, and Roy Lee who was at that time remaking you know well, you know financing remakes from pretty much every property everything so it was I don't know that that was an interesting time where, where people were clamoring for these like Asian horror remakes and stuff. But mm. I, I preferred the Grudge remakes to. I mean, Ring, the Gore Verbinski one, was good, but it was much longer. It was, it was way too long a film, and it was all a bit Marilyn Manson and whatnot. <laughs> uh, and then the second, you know, the Ring, Ring Two, directed by Nikita Hidium, was yeah. awful. Yeah, Jesus, is, Jesus, it is, man, it is really awful. In I mean, some ways, that's the worst of all of these Ring or Grudge films. That it's yeah, just, Jesus. The crutch to the, the American uh, version is at least watchable. I mean, it's not good by any standards. It's standard. okay. I don't, I don't think it's too bad. I, I, I think I, those, I really, those two ones. I dislike that they try to kind of 
give Kayakul this kind of some kind of backstory. No, that was the and, trend at the time, I guess. But and it I, just it doesn't fit in with the rest of the story. She doesn't need a backstory. She already has a backstory. Why she is a vengeful ghost. Mm. And I really dislike. And because it doesn't, it's not actually followed up in a film in any way. It's just kind of there in the middle of it, and then it's just forgotten. That's it's true, but I mean, they did that in a Japanese. I mean, when you get to the like the beginning of the end and the final curse, that's kind of what they they did with those ones as well. It was kind of a semi reboot, but not. And they seem to be like trying to justify a, a vaguely different backstory for her. But mm. then, as soon as she started, you know, she went full grudge. They they, you know, they weren't very interested in it either. I think that's one of. The, I mean, that is yeah, that's one of the best things about. The first two, you know, not the the shorts, but like the first, you know, the grudge and the grudge too, is that yeah, they they just kind of dispense with it. And that's one of the reasons why they are, you know, right creepy in that mm. is because it doesn't yeah, yeah. have this, you know, very like a convoluted mythology and everything around mm. it and everything. It just kind of happens. And it doesn't really matter if you're innocent or not. She doesn't really have a motive for doing stuff. Whereas, you know, compared to Ring, everything she always had some mad schemes and that. Like for the grudge, I think that's why it was you know, more frightening in a way is because it was just a random thing. You went into the house, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's it. it. That's yeah, it, you're no, done. Yeah, the days are numbered. But I, Anyone no, but, can yeah. be a victim there. It's exactly. Uh, but I think the Japanese films got caught up in in trying to find extra content and stuff just as much as the American ones did. And, yeah. And for him as well, like you said, like by that stage, whether he was like producing, directing himself, he was probably bored of just doing exactly the same story again. Mm. So, you know, they just got caught up a bit. And that was a fantastic period to be like a fan of like Asian horror cinema. They had so much, even if we, you know, kind of expand that stuff like the eye coming out and everything, all those other films, like that was, that was a very good time for films, you know. And I'm not sure we'll see that kind of coming again or anything. Yeah. Like with, even these, you know, these films are not making as much money. You know, domestically. I think it kind of. It, I guess the thing is that that it was incredibly. You know, and having spoken to some of the people who were producing a lot of these films, mm. you know, especially this kind of pan Asian kind of idea of you know, it might be Japan, it might be Thailand, it might be Hong Kong. Yeah. You know that people like Peter Chan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it well, was the whole very three very stuff and everything. The, the, really? You know, when you had the three, you know, the two mm. of those everything three three shutter three. every yeah absolutely it was a. But I think it it, it kind of reached peak. Mm. But you think it could have peaked again? That's like twenty years ago, almost. You know, it's it's a shame that it hasn't come back again, and it's it's hard to see it actually managing. It's it's been a while since we had like a real proper, you know, good refreshing you know, ghost story from from somewhere in Asia. I think I, I can't remember the last one which I saw, which was really really good. And maybe Howling Village will. You, did, did you watch that first eight minutes of it? I I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. How was it like? It, it looked interesting. Um, it had a couple of uh, nice kind of spooky bits with uh, something kind of in the background and then disappears and then it goes a bit crazy. But uh, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it piqued my interest definitely. So uh, I mean, I could just say, I mean, you can watch the first eight or so minutes online at the moment. Like minutes, um, yeah. I find it's quite interesting that it starts with a very much of a, a homage to very deliberate homage to Blair Witch found mm. footage. Nice, I love you. Know, know, I so love it's, my it's, I mean, footage, actually, man. kind of. It, it very quickly kind of drops that, and then it's it's actually kind of very sharp, professional, slick looking yeah. horror. Is it really in a village? And it's it it seems to be about a village. I mean, this is yeah, the thing. Um, it, it, it's based on an actual uh, Japanese urban legend okay. um, of Inunaki Village, which is kind of said to be a village somewhere in the countryside. You can only access through this uh, tunnel, and uh, there's a. There's a sign on the gate saying uh, the laws and constitutions of Japan don't apply here. Hmm. Um, apparently saying, like, the villagers were, like, 
incest practicing cannibals or something. <laughs> there is no, there's another film. There was a couple of other films about that before, um, or, or linked to that. It was like Kakashi. There was a, and there was another one which had a very similar name to the the village, like you know, back during the, like the, this whole boom phase of it. I, I can remember. It, it reminded me a bit remember, of like, X Cross. The tunnel. X Cross, yeah, yeah, X Cross yeah. is, yeah, exactly. I, you're right. I think yeah. there was probably like maybe some mini boom based yeah. around that one legend. I think I remember que- clearly a few films were like going through the whole tunnel and everything that and seeing a sign about stuff like so. That's quite. Then there was that whole video game series. Um, was it Red Siren, whatever it was, which was that? I mean, which was more frightening than any of those films. That was a <laughs> that was going to one of these villages and just yeah, that that was a creepy game. Being an old man, it also reminded <laughs> me of um, one of the segments in the Monster Club, oh, a segment sure. called The Ghouls, and that's where somebody travels into a village and through the fog and they can't. Uh, so this Vincent, is a memory from um, having watched it about so twenty five years Vincent ago. Price, Christopher Lee, yeah, together in that <laughs> film. Yeah. Oh, man, I haven't watched that. There was a disco dancing sequence in that film, though. There's bound to be, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was 1981. But, yeah, I mean, I remember that, and they kind of get, you know, there's this kind of ghouls that come after them once again, so they just kind of get trapped there. Yeah, I remember, jeez, I do remember that. It's just going back, it was going back a bit. But, I mean, that's, I mean... <laughs> was that when you were a young lad in the 60s? <laughs> 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 young lad in the early 80s. Watching zombie flesh eaters and <laughs> the beyond. Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. <laughs> and Hammer Good House of on the telly. Hammer All House, solid yes. choices. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but we'll see where all this stuff goes with yeah. Japanese. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to see a revival in it because it was, I mean, that kind of horror when it was at its peak was influencing cinema all, all around the world at that time. Absolutely. You know, whether it was European, you know, American, it, it had such a huge impact, and which you can still see still see today. Hello, my name is Adam Torell and I run uh, Third Window Films, which has been distributing Asian cinema for about uh, 15 years or so, and this is uh, how I got into Eastern Flicks. The film that I guess really got me into Asian cinema, I mean, I'd been into cinema very passionately since I was very, very young, but when I was about... uh, I think 11 or 12 years old. Um, I was living in uh, Sarasota, Florida. I'm I'm English, but I was uh, living in in Florida at the time with my mother. And I was desperate to, uh, there was a film festival at a local cinema there called Burns Court Cinema. And they had a film festival every year and I would try to go. And um, this year they, when this museum is probably about 1991, uh, they were playing uh, Prison on Fire 2. And it, looked looked uh, very very fun and uh, I think it was probably the first time I'd seen a film like that uh, def- definitely first Hong Kong film or, or uh, probably a first Asian film from what I can remember to be honest and uh, I saw it with an eye to because I was only 11 or so years old at the time I had to um, ask my, my, my mother to take me because uh, I wasn't able to see uh, I think it's probably an R-rated film by myself, so I asked my mother to go with me, and uh, I saw it, and it, it totally blew me away. I mean, uh, I, I think if you're young and, and you've never seen a film like that before, it's, I mean, it's totally mind-blowing. I mean, the action and, and everything that was never really something like this heroic bloodshed that we had never really seen in, uh, in Western cinema. And uh, I saw it, it, it totally 
changed my, my perception of, of uh, film at the time. And I got, from then on, I was hooked on, on uh, Hong Kong cinema. And I would buy every Tai Seng VHS tape that I could find and started hoarding as many, at the time, Hong Kong films. Of course, that was Prison of Fire 2 that I saw. So I saw Prison of Fire 1 and then started seeing, you know, all the other Ringo Lam, John Wu, Choi Hark, all those films, all the heroic bloodshed, Chaoyong fat films of, of the time. And I think most people who are my age now probably did the same thing. And that got me into to Asian cinema. From there, I branched out, obviously, into different aspects of, of Asian, Asian cinema, such as, you know, Japanese and Korean. And, uh, and then, you know, I started wondering why I, it was so hard to track down these films uh, and, and why there weren't more people distributing them. And, in time, that's what started Third Window Films, and Third Window Films is, is based on my, I guess, all came from me first seeing Prison on Fire 2 in a small cinema in, uh, in, in a small town in, in Florida. So that's uh, what started my, my passion for Asian cinema, and it's, it has never cooled since. So uh, all thanks to uh, Ringo Lam, I guess. Let's move into Eastern picks. Eastern Do picks. we have any picks that have recent releases on streaming? Look, for me, what's kind of interesting at the moment is still the fact that suddenly all the Studio Ghibli titles just landed yeah. on, uh, on, on Netflix. Netflix. After them specifically yeah. saying a while ago, they were never going to sell it to stream. Mm-hmm. And now everything is on there. Well, what's good is, is every Ghibli film on there. So it's, it's going I, well, in stages. So two waves, right? Two or three waves. Three waves. Three, three waves. waves. So okay. February, March, April, I believe, they're releasing, basically going to release all the kind of back catalogue in think random ways. Mo- a lot of the heavy hitters are there, already, like Totoro, everything. They're already on there, everything, which is... Okay. It's one okay and... But, but no. also, but, but the true. other part of this is that, because, you know, as we know, it's owned by Disney, who now have their own streaming channel. Um, and this is not yep. being released in the US or in Japan. This is just UK. So this is this is Netflix yeah. around the world apart from UX and Japan, I believe. Okay. Yeah. That's quite widespread then. So as, as far as I know, it's quite widespread. But you know, it's, it's you know there is a thing about that. It's like it feels like they've in the UK market, for instance. We've reached saturation, I would expect, and the people who are going to buy a physical media of, of Ghibli yeah, films. I we've had the DVDs, we've had the Blu-rays, we've had I mean, Zappy special editions, Steelbooks, you know, what else? They, is they are household names now. household names. Who, who the fuck wants a Steelbook of Totoro, honestly? I mean, Toto made, made it into Toy Story, didn't Sorry? made it into Toy Story. That's true, but it's it's not the kind of film I would watch. No, but it's recognition that normally Japanese culture is niche and is reserved for fans of Japanese culture and Japanese movies, whereas Ghibli has broken down that whoomph with a barrier. Yeah. Yes, there's a there's comparisons with Disney in terms of animation quality and mm-hmm. beautiful, but obviously there's a, so much more depth to Miyazaki's films and Disney has the, the politics, the environment. I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan, to be honest with but, you. I, I oh, he's, no, yeah, he's good. Has anyone watched Tokyo Midnight Diner? Which it's not it's not a new thing, it's not a new release on Netflix. Is it a series or a film? I love it series, to death. It's it? so yeah. wonderfully heartwarming. Um I'm heartwarming, I'm already No, in, it's so. beautiful. Tokyo Midnight Diner. <laughs> it's a it's a little t- T V show. It's been on Netflix for a while. They've just started the second series. Okay. Um little half an hour segments. It's uh as it's it's it What's suggests, the vote, like basically? It's so it's uh as it as the title might suggest, it's a little diner that opens after midnight. So here's this guy, 
and he opens his diner for midnight and he says, I'll cook anything you like. Um, and basically different people come into the diner and you hear Is those stories. No, not at all. He's just, he's, up, he's just, it's like an all night cafe, I suppose, if the English equivalent would be. And he's, we don't know much about him yet. He's got a scar, so my guess is that he's probably been in some trouble and now he's settled he down and he runs a diner. And you don't know much, it's not really about him and the diner. Mm. They do a different food each week. So, and they'll have different normal everyday people coming in. That sounds and like it, the, kind of, the kind of thing that my wife loves to watch, this kind of it's different really food good. kind of things coming in. A different kind, is it kind of like different I mean, now, Japanese kind of... Yeah, yeah so they'll have different, they'll have a different dish and someone will come in and ask for a particular dish and we'll find out what their story was. So there's lots of, I mean, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's terrible. Really, it's no, gorgeous. see, I like the sound, right. I really like okay, the sound. Okay, so, so I think that's, I think it that's depends what, what kind of mood you're in. So <laughs> it feels to me, it's very, I haven't done enough research on it, but I'm convinced it feels very much like a live action anime or manga. So it's got that kind of very, Kind of. There was, do, like, do there was like two Train films Man? about it, right? There was one or two films. Oh, about it. I don't know. I'm just. Yeah, there I'm was definitely film adapted. I haven't watched them. There may be. There was. Mm. Um, but it, it, there's something very Japanese about that Films kind of nostalgia later. and the tweeness. But it's really, it's really but hard. How could, how could tweeness ever be a good fucking thing? It's good. Honestly, it's because Tokyo Mint, you watch Tokyo Mint and Dino, and you know. Maybe we'll move to the Cotswolds. So my, one of my favourite episodes. Midsummer Murders. So it's really one of my favourite episodes was. They had a guy come in and he was part of a tokusatsu series in the 70s. And, and now he, you know, his series is, he's not doing anything now. And he feels like, oh, he's unknown. And by chance, his fan club kind of comes in and it mm. reaffirms his confidence and stuff. And it's stuff like that that's really kind of, in any other situation, Japan seems to do quite well, is to do these really kind of slightly cheesy, nostalgia-heavy kind of feel-good shows. Well, that's it for this episode. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And you can also find us on easonkicks.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Do get in touch if you'd like to let us know how we're doing or if you've got some ideas for future episodes. Next episode, we will be covering King Who. Very nice. Classic um, filmmaker. Good night, and let's say cheers. Gambe. Let's do Gambe. There we go. Gambe. Get it, don't you? Ha <laughs> ha.